Hello and welcome to the Cynic Weekly. We are back. We have been on a coronavirus-inflicted um, hiatus since the 10th of March, but we are back. Uh, this week I am joined, I'm your host, Louis McCaffrey, and, and this week I'm joined by the one and only, the greatest cynic of all time. Some some think it's Chris Bowd. It's not. It's Chris Samani. How are you, Samani? Terrific, Louis. My, uh, my brother in arms. Uh, we've not been on hiatus since the 10th of March. We've been producing top quality work on the Patreon. But we're back with a pod of the people tonight. This is this is what people have been waiting for. It's, um, you know, that, this podcast's a bit like uh, Trigger's old broom. You know what I mean? It's, it's had many names. It's had many faces on it. It's had uh, many, it's been on many platforms as well. But, um Hi, it's good to be back, Samani. It's good to be back. I'm also joined by um, a man who was with me on the the last one in March. Um, possibly my top two favourite cynics right now, this man, um, the one I've just mentioned and the one I'm about to mention, Barry Gallagher. Hey, didn't we? Um, it seems like a lifetime ago since we did that uh, pod that you mentioned. We previewed the, the game at iBooks that was never to be. Um, so hopefully, it was a great preview. It was. I think you. I think you predicted a five, a five now or something like that. Of only, only it could have been. But no, I'm glad to be back. And as you just say, this is this is the main event. This is the main pod. Um, and also, we have everybody's uh, seventh favourite um, cynic. It's uh, Christian Wolf. Hi, Lou. I'm I'm delighted to be on. Um, Christian Wolf. Oh well, Siri's just said Christian Wolf. Jesus Christ. Did did she have a question for me? No, she didn't. She just told you to fucking hurry up. <laughs> Do you have a point? She said. But, um, <laughs> this is going to be a long night. Um, <laughs> I, I'm delighted to be. This is my first ever podcast, Louis, uh, where you're hosting. Uh, as you said, I, I've been. I don't think I've been on the the, the, the for the people one, as Armani call it, and then since we started Patreon. So I'm I'm happy to be back on the shop floor with, with the people that matter. No, as soon as the Patreon money started coming in, you fucking jumped ship, didn't you? But um, <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll we'll talk about your uh, we'll talk about that later. So we're gonna we're gonna obviously um, start off by talking about nine in a row. But um, you know, back in March, as Barry says, before um, everything went a bit crazy there for a while, um, we had a game coming up against Rangers that we were previewing, and um, you know. We were very much, although we kind of thought that this would maybe happen at some stage, we were very much kind of still talking and focusing on the football. Since then, obviously, um, you know, three months have passed almost. Um, and we are now nine in a row champions um, without having played uh, any of the remaining eight games that we had. Um the day itself, I know most of us were in communication. Christian, you kind of buried your head in the sand, um, throwing asterisks up everywhere. But um, how was it on the day? Was it the celebration that you thought it would be? Did you, you know, what did everybody get up to, and, and how did it feel? Was it feel any less or any, you know, any less important as the previous title ones? I was, um, I was quite worried that it would feel. Um, slightly hollow in a way but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the day um, obviously we did a few reaction pods and stuff like that but just having a few beers with my dad and watching a lot of the, the sort of highlights for this season um, it, it, it surprised me and then obviously we had a big sort of, I think it's the biggest sort of cynic Zoom call we've ever had um, across various different pods so no I, I found it quite surprisingly um, quite good I thought yeah, I was, I was the same. I loved that. I thought it was a great day. Um, just, you know, there seemed to be a great atmosphere. I don't know if atmosphere is the right word, but just seeing everybody kind of celebrating on their own in their homes and everything. And as you say, going on things like Zoom was great. I mean, we had a big, I think there was, I don't know, 12, 13 people maybe on that. Um, and it was great. Everybody just sitting with a beer and talking about, you know, uh, Celtic and slagging off the Huns and all that sort of thing. It was great. So, Manny, yourself? I was a bit. It was different because you always get that natural conclusion to a game where you win the league, and you know that moment of elation and things like that. But I've said this to you in other pods. It didn't feel undeserved. It didn't. It wasn't. Um, there was. There was still a real 
I don't know, how can I put this? There was still a real, you know, elation about it. You know, you, you, you know, it felt deserved for me. Now, I've got the wee Norwegian in the corner there who might come in and say something different, but it didn't feel to me in any way hollow, which I was surprised about because I thought it might have felt a wee bit perfunctory. Um, but I, I, I really, I really enjoyed it as well. I wasn't able to make it onto the Zoom calls um, for other reasons, um, but I certainly know that you used get tore into the bevy and, and enjoyed it. And I spent um, some of that night drinking a couple of beers and just looking at some of the stuff on Twitter. And yeah, and it was different. I'm not going to say it was the exact same because it wasn't. You know, you always would want to do that, um, uh, get that final whistle, if you will, at a game to do it. But no, no, um, I really enjoyed it, and um, I'm built it for next season. I'm really, really um, looking forward to whenever that might be the next season starting. I mean, I mean, Louis, even oh, oh, oh. sorry, I just, I, I, sorry, sorry, I just coughed. So, I've, I've, did you want to say something? Or? No, 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 on you go. Okay, no, I'm beating you already. Sorry. <laughs> This is like the day-to-day, isn't it? Saturday. <laughs> <It's sad. laughs> right, There's less of a delay talking to International Space Station. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, Louis, obviously, um, even though I'm not on the pods you, you host and you're on, you mention my name every time, and the stuff that's attributed to me, it's, it's nice to have the chance to, to be in, actually on the pod where my name is being talked about, so I can actually put a few records straight. Um, no, I, I agree. I, I, same with Barry and, and, and Samarni. At the start of this whole thing, I was desperate, I think, for the season to be concluded and played out. And there's a few reasons for that. And obviously, the main difference between myself and, and you guys, obviously, I, I have another team as well. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned them before. Um, Liverpool. And I, I think a lot of that for me was, I was twice as scared, you know, that, you know, for Celtic for nine in a row, for, for Liverpool's title, that if you don't complete the season, it's it kind of ruins it, and and I was I was really afraid of that. I think as kind of the pandemic went on, and you kind of realized the seriousness of everything and so on. I, I still wasn't sure what's going to happen. If you know, we don't have to talk everything about what, what led up to that decision, and we can maybe touch upon it before. But I think when the day came, as you say, it was actually a really nice moment, and it was a, it was different, as the guys have said, but it was. It, it, it's different for a very special reason and a, and a reason that none of us have ever gone through before. So I, I think the day itself really was, was really nice because uh, everybody had a, it sounds a bit cliche, but it was kind of those, one of those shared experiences because we are all going through a situation that's, that's really different and, and really new. So to have Celtic win the title in that way, I, I think made, you know, the, the whole day, it's almost like, it's probably one of the things you will remember from this when you look back on this is, you know, the day Celtic won the title and the expectations and, and so on and everything that, that came before. So I think the day itself was a lot better. and It was a nicer moment. It wasn't the anticlimax I was fearing uh, as such. It was obviously, there was a lot kind of, a lot of build up to the actual announcement itself because of all the things that had been happening in Scottish football, Rangers accusing the SPFL and, Neil Doncaster of all sorts and not really having the evidence to back it up. Um, and there had been the vote, the Dundee vote and all that sort of thing. Um, but as, we, as we've kind of touched on, okay, it might have felt a bit different, but no no less of an achievement, no less of a celebration than, than usual. Um, some people have, you know, claimed that it's maybe not completing the games does leave some sort of uh, stain on the season. If you want to put an asterisk, you could put an asterisk, whatever. Um, does anybody buy into that? Um, personally, I I don't. I think you played 30 games of a 38-game season. You know, I, I, We've won it on Sport and Merit, especially when you see the, um, the turnaround that we had in the new year. It, 
there's there was only one team. If you think it, think back to the the form and everything. Barry Barry joked earlier about me saying five 0 I think it probably was five 0 because I was very um, I was very confident getting into that game. Um, and remember, we had something to prove against them as well. Neil Lennon had said that we were going to change how we play against them and and all that sort of thing. And we were very much in the the ascendancy. We had that the poor poor game and poor result um, against Livingston away right enough but I think had the games been played we would have won by a bigger margin than the 13 points we were already ahead yeah I mean I mean you can never tell obviously because the games the games weren't able to happen but see, see if, you, if you're starting to get down in the gutter and talk about asterisks and uh, seasons I mean if they get no sense of shame talking about the EBT years the amount of times they were financially doped, the the amount of players that they couldn't afford in under a normal wage structure to pay, the fact that when they were going into admin, they were trying to sign Daniel Kuzan. I mean, financial fair play never affected in their heads. I mean, obviously we've got an issue with the titles that they've got under that guys, but it's never officially affected their record in terms of titles they've won. So you. you it's a bit of a cheek of them to come on and because of a global pandemic call this in any way a tainted title. So it's just, I think, it's just yeah. garbage. I think as well, Sir Manny, Celtic had always said, we'd always said that if possible we'd like to play the games. I don't think they ever said that once. They wanted the... You said the they opposite. Wanted the league, they tore up the pitch. Aye, they tore up the pitch. They wanted the league null and void. Uh, they wanted the loan payouts and stuff. So... There's only one club that wanted to go on and win this league and it wasn't them, no matter what their fans will tell you. They said in a statement they didn't want to play games behind closed doors. So, for me, that's essentially saying... They, they, they threw their, their weight behind null and void, which there's no, there's no league in Europe that's ever going to do that because of the financial consequences of it. So they were throwing their weight behind an outcome that was never likely to happen. Um but they put their cards on their table, said they didn't want to play games behind closed doors. What other way was there to complete this? And even if they had played games behind closed doors, you could even take it to the nth degree and say, that's tainted as well because the support went there. Do you know what I mean? This was all about one thing. Our march towards 9-0 was unstoppable and they want to put a mark against that in any way possible or stop it. And then next season, they're going to up the ante even more. It was nothing to do with the argument about sporting integrity and all that wasn't coming from a position of, of sense. It was coming from a position of, we want one thing, we want to stop this. And you can see that as well in terms of their signing that they made a Hadji and things like that. I don't think financial jurisprudence is going to come into their, uh, their thought process for next season. I think they're going to spend big and try and stop us again because... Um, it's it's consuming a lot of their support. Same as us, but in the opposite way. It's all consuming just now. We're going to go for it in a big way, or we would hope, um, and they're going to do everything they can to stop it. And that's where we are now. I agree, Samani. I mean, Celtic is fairly deserved league champions. My frustration over the last couple of months, I think especially the first few weeks, is that it was blatantly obvious, as Samrani says, that this scenario, be it null or void, which is never on the table, or even cancelling the season, is the absolute best scenario for Rangers because they were never going to win the title. And that's why I was frustrated with what I kind of perceived as a lack of intensity from SPFL. To be honest... I don't know what Celtic's done in the background, but a tiny bit from Celtic as well that I wanted more to be done, possibly done, to complete the season. And the reason why I say that is because title is fully deserved, but it is a different title because you didn't play the games. Now, it's not less deserved, but Neil Lennon and the team and the fans were denied the chance to win that on, on the pitch. Now, there's an absolute, you know, there's a very good reason for that. And I think as the weeks went by and you said how serious this thing was and how the Scottish government keep pushing when you can play back, uh, when you can start playing back and back and back. So you kind of, you come back to that point. My frustration is that 
as I said, I don't felt that the league or the backing from the clubs, there could have been more done to start and close the season because in the end, this is the, the, almost the worst case scenario for Celtic because they were going to win the league. They were going to win it on the pitch. They had their foot on Rangers' throat, essentially. That club was turning itself inwards and there was all sort of inquiries and, and the atmosphere was you know, really, really bad. But this has allowed Rangers to do. And it's not... It's because of the pandemic. It's, it's kind of just going to bunker mentality and this siege mentality where everybody's against them and there's conspiracies here and here and there. So instead of imploding, they've kind of retreated completely. And as you say, Samani, come up with some righteous statements uh, and so on. But, but they're going to use this for every single drop they can to push uh, for one last push next year. So they never wanted to get the season continued. They would have said that outwards, but this is the best case scenario for Rangers. So my frustration at the first time was, why is there not more people absolutely pushing everything they can to get the season completed? Especially when the last week comes and saying, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to try and start football on the 1st of August. If you start Scottish football on the 1st of August again, there is flexibility in the calendar to, to do 1920 and then finish 2021, which I think for Celtic Football Club would be by far the best option. It isn't the easiest option, but I think for, for the club that would have been the best option. I think I think just to come back to what you were saying there, Christian, about the way in which they've won out of this is Gerard Gerard had, cl- had collapsed this season, and mm-hmm. he's getting a very easy time of it now. And I don't know if it's been a club decision to sort of build this siege mentality. Um, everyone's against us. Um, I think it absolutely is. absolutely it's Barry. Yeah. I think this is a godsend for them. Yeah, and this is this is well they might not admit it, this is probably a part of their strategy to stop the ten. The nine's but, gone. I, I think um, it's blatantly obvious it is. But do you not think that almost plays into our hands as well? Because all they're doing is merely kind of turning a blind eye to their own frailties. I mean, rather than being properly, you know, analysing and critiquing themselves, instead they're just saying, Oh no, we were fine. This is just you know, this has just been a dodgy year because of coronavirus. I you know, some saying they'll make holes, you know, they'll make big changes and they'll keep, you know, plowing lots of money in. I don't know. I, I think I think they I think the Hadji one was the big one for them because it's what the fans wanted and it buys them it buys them a bit more kudos for the fans. But I, I think I don't right, think Louis. that changes anything. I think unless they, as you say, as, unless they take a very hard, close look at themselves and try to change things, yeah, they're just going to repeat the same thing. But I think it's eased the pressure on them, the team, from their supporters. And they've, as Barry says, they've used this for every single drop is worth. Um, yeah. I think that I was listening to yourself and uh, Ian Duggan on the um, the... The lunch club. Uh, Some people Friday. say it's worth the Patreon alone. Yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. Um, it was a, a proper heavyweight ba- battle, anyway. But I mean, your point, your main point, as you repeated there, was that you 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 don't know why the games or why weren't the games played. You know, why couldn't we resume the season, get those games out of the way, and then go on to the next season? And there's there's a part of me that absolutely agrees with you in that I wanted the games played. I don't have. I was I was going to come to this and, and talk a wee bit about the you know the Bundesliga games and the games that have been behind closed doors because obviously that's what's coming to us. It would have been my preference to play the games, but the decision was taken at the time, and there's no going back from it. I don't think you can just turn around and go. No, in fact, Celtic, you haven't won nine in a row. Let's play out that like surely that is just a bonkers, you know, no, no, idea. It, it's done now. It's finished. No, absolutely, Louis. It, it is done. We move on. But I, mm-hmm. I just think when that came out last week, it kind of pissed me off because I absolutely understand and agree if, if Scottish football said, look, we can't start before the 1st of September. And it was always this notion from the SPFL that, you know, we have to close because of this and this and so on. For them to come back and say, actually, we want to push for the 1st of August, I kind of feel not... Cheated, but as I said on the launch, it's a slight sour taste in the mouth. Well, well, I want the football back and I want to start and I want 2021 completed. Those players and Neil Lennon, who's have been a critic 
of, uh, you know, I'll admit that. They were never allowed that push to do that on the pitch. So Samarina said it would have been different anyway because it's closed doors and stuff. But it kind of just, I just feel there's never been a concerted, even a try to get this done, have it done. Now, uh, you know, the pandemic is what it is and public health and public safety comes first. And But it's just in the last week and they said, actually, we're going to start the 1st of August. If you start Scottish football on the 1st of August and you think that's safe and you think it's viable, then you, then you, I just feel there could have been more of a push for, for 90 20. I mean, it's probably the, the last time we should talk about the lead because, as you said, from now on, it's 2021, it's about turning yeah. the road. But it's just, it just it pissed me off last week. I mean, obviously, the, the other factor is the clubs needed money to stop them from going under, and they were only ever going to pay out the money once the, the league was declared finished. I, I, I don't think there's any insurmountable issues that, I, that couldn't have been solved. You know, but then we're going to go over every single vote and so on. Yeah, but I just yeah. think it, it, it just kind of, I don't know. But it, as you said, it's it's done now. So obviously we've, we've nine in a row has been done, you know, we've celebrated it. And as you say, Christian, it's now all about the 10. Personally, thinking about how we approach the 10, I would, I would love us to go out there and spend a bit of money and really guarantee it you know really try and strengthen everywhere we need to strengthen it's the last push it's the last one like don't go in half-hearted don't you know don't um think more about the balance sheet than than anything else i'd like to see is if neil lennon says look we need this player this player this player you go and get them don't don't get a, a cheaper alternative go get the players that he he wants or probably rather the 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 players that you know the scouting team have identified and things like that. go for the number one targets and pay the bit extra and get them um how do we all feel about the you know the approach to the thing because i would imagine that peter lowell is probably sitting there going look the way i've played this is delivered nine in a row why would i change tack now well we need to keep our eyes on the prize but there is no doubt that the can the continued the, the, the continued lack of crowds is going to be. I mean, th- this is the thing we're talking about finishing last season and things like that. And I, I can understand what Christian's saying, but there's still so many massive unknowns. I mean, who's going to? What's going to happen next season? And even at the start of it, I'm going to I'm going to renew my season ticket. Am I going to get in the same day that Barry's going to get in? Still don't know half of this stuff, you know. So that's going to have a massive impact on what we can or we can't spend and things like that. Now, what I will say is, we need to keep our eyes on the prize. Talked about this before. Last time when it was them going for ten in a row, on paper, some of us have kind of said, "Look, it, do you know what I mean? There's every chance we, you know, they had a better squad on paper than us at that time." And even looking back at the tail end of their run. Um, when they when they got to the nine, there was a few of those last seasons where we've looked back on them in timeline podcasts and we've said we could have stopped them there, we could have stopped them. And I think what kept them going was a level of complacency. That's the one thing we need to avoid here big time. Now we're talking about the collapse they had and the run up against Hamilton and all that sort of stuff. Fine, and do you know what? I do think they collapsed, but that's not to say that's going to happen again next season. And my, my, my concern is that because of the situation, it's going to affect financially what we can do. Now, we're talking about keeping Forster, keeping El Yunusi and swapping them for, for Encham. What does that really do? Now, I want to keep Forster, but as a squad, that's see, if you did that, we had them two in loan this season, that slightly weakens you. We still need, I still think we need to go above and beyond but I'm pretty concerned about this current situation and the impact it's going to have on everybody's finances. But we're a club who are more prudent when it comes to spending. My worry is, and again, some people might laugh at me and say what you're worried about them for. My worry is that they go and get the credit card out, max it again, one last throw of the dice, and we stand still or slightly regress. That's my one concern about, and I'm sure we'll come and talk about areas that we maybe need to strengthen, and Christian will tell us where uh, Christopher Ayer's going, because um, that's maybe one place we need to strengthen. <clears throat> but yeah, that, that that's my overall concern just now. It's about 
making sure that we don't take our eyes off the ball with this one. I think, yeah, I think as well. And while their collapse was catastrophic in the second half of the season, it's worth remembering up until Christmas they were neck and neck with us. Um, so if they can maintain that form again, it's a worry. Obviously, our form is fantastic as well. But I just think, well, going back to what you were saying, if we can't, and obviously taking into consideration the, the sort of current situation, but if you can't push the boat out when you're on the verge of 10 in a row, when can you? Um, I know in the past we've been reactionary and it, sometimes we don't spend money until we do have like a major setback but I think this is the one occasion where you need to go for it um, we've spoken in other pods for the past year or so about how after 10 everyone kind of sees us as starting again starting afresh uh, pressing the button and resetting so even if it's a couple of high profile loans um just for one season, so be it. But I think we need to, whatever Lennon wants, he needs to get this summer for me. I was I was speaking to Martin Friel, who, and I'm not going to try and sell the Patreon all the time on, the, on these pods, but Martin, obviously part of a, a podcast behind the Patreon that, that looks on and the finances of Celtic, you know, called the Biscuit Tin. I was speaking to him this week about, you know, in, in these kind of different scenarios, as we mentioned before, if it's two months without fans, if it's half a season without fans, if it's a full season without fans, how does that affect Celtic? I think Martin's, he's probably going to come on to them in more detail in his pod, but there's everything from about 8 million to 30 million in terms of just gate revenue that Celtic can lose over the next season. Now, that's not in taking into account maybe a new TV deal or anything, maybe other ways of getting money in like as Samani says, you know, people would will renew their season ticket. Uh, there might be streaming up into news and so on. But it is no doubt that how it looks in Scotland specifically, I don't think there's gonna be fans on the ground in, in a few months. And there's gonna be a big cost for all clubs. Now, if we mentioned the Rangers might just go and don't care about that and just do everything to throw everything at ten in the row. So so something need to be aware of that but there's also I think we've seen with Johnny Hayes contracts not being removed and Joseph Simunovic's contract not being renewed which seems to have come as a surprise for a lot of people that Peter Lowers is has got a very close eye on the budget and I think Celtic would do I don't think they'll overspend I think there's probably a plan in there where there's just a couple of players that are going to be prioritised I think it's going to be Edward and Forster over anybody but it is a really tricky situation, both financially and also in terms of the transfer market itself and how that is going to be. It might be later on. It might be that clubs don't want to sell because, you know, the, the face the same issue. So I think we go into two, three, four months where we just do not know what's going to happen. And it is really difficult to predict. It's, um, you know, the, 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 the whole thing about fans, you know, when will fans be back in the stadium? Obviously, at this point, we we don't know as you say it could be the whole season or whatever. Has anybody watched many of the the Bundesliga games and, no. and how, how, how have you found them? I must admit I started watching. I watched a couple at the start. Enjoyed them with the Berlin derby. I enjoyed. Um, I enjoyed the Dortmund Bayern game. I think if the if the game of football itself, if it's really good football, it can it can keep your attention but if the game's not that great I was very quickly finding myself bored um, I don't know what everybody else thinks but you know if it's Celtic or, or Scottish football I think I'll be a lot more into it now I don't really have much appetite to watch the German games now yeah. um, I'm similar to yourself I think see if you're tend to if you're watching a game and there is a crowd there if you're on your phone you'll hear the crowd change atmosphere and that will draw your attention to oh there must be something happening but when all you can hear is players shouting at each other like they're in a public park it's it's not it's not the best and um yeah I think obviously if, if Scottish football and Celtic you get a vested interest it might be but it's just not for me really I wouldn't say it's I, I haven't enjoyed any game I've watched now the Bayern um in Dortmund game, there was the quality of football was good, but it struck me very earlier on, and I'd, and again I've said this in other pods to you, Louis, um, and, and others. 
the Serie A games before the lockdown that were behind closed doors were dreadful as well. So I kind of knew what to expect. But I thought the three-month break might have said might have had me hungry for any sort of football. But there's just there's something hugely, hugely missing from it. And I, I must admit, it, it really it's it's my appetite for any closed doors football now. If it's Celtic, obviously I'll watch it, and if it's Scottish football, I'll probably have more of an interest in it. But the English Premier League's supposed to be starting in a couple of weeks and stuff, and I couldn't care less. It's just there's there's something about it and about the crowd that is integral to it, and um, I, I think we'd we'd obviously watched and talked about the UFC, Louis. Um, s- sports like that, I think, will be less affected by it because when it's kind of intense and it's focused on two people um, essentially going at it, a team sport like football, I, I just I, it just does not seem. I just don't yeah. enjoy it at all. And I, I, I don't care about it. I think pace plays a big part. Like, see the pace of the UFC fights because it's a fight. It's very fast paced, so it does grab your attention. That the mm. good football game like Bayern and Dortmund, the pace of it was very good, very high, so it keeps you drawn in. If that's not there, it just doesn't work. So, Manny, do you think there's something? And I agree with you that it, it, it changes the perception of how you watch it. Do you think there's something about? seeing sport at all during this pandemic that you're a bit uneasy about like it's if you understand where i'm coming from do you think it's something subconsciously you go should we be doing this yeah, mm, yeah well i suppose at this early stage i know what you mean but i didn't and i mean again i've talked to we talked about the ufc i'm not i have not been a particularly big ufc fan before it, I thought this shouldn't be going ahead. Very quickly, I was gripped by it. So I don't know if it is. I don't know if it's just something about football. And, you know, we're a bunch of football fans who are on a podcast talking about football, talking about Celtic. But Steen got it right, you know. What was it, Steen? <laughs> was it Kit Shankly? Whatever. Football without fans is nothing. I can't even remember who said the quote, but I was it Shankly said something similar, does he not? Right. So but he's right. It's football without fans is nothing. And I just I think the behold behind closed doors stuff is just it's a snapshot of that. And but don't get me wrong, when Celtic come back, I'll be um I'll be, you know, tuned in and I'm sure I'll care more. But I, I don't think it's about should we be doing this. I just think it's about this is shite a wee bit if I'm being honest. Barry, what's the crack with the tickets? The latest with the season tickets and things. There's obviously talk of, obviously refunds were offered for the the tickets from last season. Um, I, I'm I'm not quite up to date on what the latest is. You you I think you'd probably know better than me. Um, I know that I think it was yesterday that um, John Paul Taylor, the fans liaison officer, had said that um, the deadline was still the thirtieth. And 30th of June, and the club would provide more information when possible. Um, but part of me is thinking, what's what's really going to change between now and the 30th of June? Um, I personally, I think I am just going to renew. Um, if it means there's going to be another refund for this season, so be it. But um, part of me is kind of kind of split. Part of me is it's it's a sort of because it's the 10th season and. You don't want to miss it, and I'd rather just do it. And then, if the club need to refund me, so be it. But it's an unusual situation, and it's quite good that the club have moved it back to the 30th of June for the, the sort of respect that it's given time to maybe get through to phase two or whatever um, from the government. But it's weird because we don't, no one knows, uh, and there's nothing to compare it to. But Personally, I think um, I'm going to renew um, the next couple of weeks or so. I don't know about you, Samani, what you're thinking? Well, I'm going to renew, and they've got they've got us over a barrel. I mean, I would, I'm going to renew anyway. So are you, and I think most people will do that. See, if we don't renew, somebody would come and take our ticket. But I, I just wouldn't do it anyway. I just wouldn't. I just wouldn't not renew. So I'm the same as you. I'm just going to go in, do it, renew. I've not actually done it yet, but I'm just going to do it and then 
we'll see and how the cards unfold and see what happens. That's a, I think most people are going to do that, to be honest. So Barry, you, you mentioned JP there. I, I spoke to JP uh, just the end of last week for <laughs> for a Patreon podcast that, that's coming out on, on Thursday um, about a lot of things. But I did talk to him about you know the refund process and, and, and renewals. And he, I think he was very honest and he said we we're just you know moving with the times you know we don't know yet what you know when we can let fans back in like the hope to do it as soon as possible obviously there's talk today about you know SPFL trying to you know tell the Scottish governments we need fans and so on but he was very honest and said no look we understand the situation you know in terms of we can't guarantee anything and we understand that people's economic situation is is it's very special and, and and they must be obviously working full pelt on, on this as well but I don't know if they've got reduced staff or, or because of the furlong and stuff as well so it's it, it's a tricky situation and I kind of go you know, there's, there's a lot of people you know Samani and Barry you'll renew because because you will it's, it's Celtic and it's, it's, it's 10 in a row but I do understand that dilemma that it's, it's a lot of money for people in, in, in a very insecure situation and not only this season, but if, if somebody doesn't renew this season, do they lose their seat for the next season? You know, and that seat is, is you know, it's very, very important to people. So it's, again, it's one of those where, as with everything else, as with transfers, that we, when football's going to start, how it's going to look, how it's going to be behind closed doors, it's just not known. So I, I just hope, I, I just seems, hope this, yeah. It, seems, it just seems a bit, you know, no one's going to give up their... You know, no one wants to give up their seat, especially in the day in the row season. I totally get, but it's, it also seems a bit kind of unfair of the club to take people's money and not be able to guarantee that they'll get to any of the games. I mean, and 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 at the same time, if someone, as you say, if someone doesn't pay up, they shouldn't be losing their seat at this point. You know, it should be a case of everybody's got their seat for next year, year, unless you say that you don't want one, but we're not going to take the money out of your bank account right now until we know when you're going to get to the games. But obviously they need the money and they want to, you know, they they want the money in. Um, So it's a tricky one. There's obviously um, a lot of talk about having some sort of digital season ticket and streaming the games. Um, But I think that, is going to be even extra on top of the the season ticket. So it's not as if season ticket holders will get that, I think, was my understanding. So you'd need to pay for that for like a separate service. Well, I'm not 100% sure how it will work, but from my foreign friends who have Celtic TV abroad... Dundee. Dundee. They've said, let's just say that that streaming Celtic TV needs a bit of work in terms of reliability. Now, if you've got, um, I don't know how many thousand subscribers abroad, f- foreign subscribers, so if you then added on, I don't know what, say, say 60,000 season tickets, season ticket holders got access to it in somewhere, whatever. You know, the infrastructure's got to be there for that to work. I mean, cause can you imagine that? Right, next season you're going to get to go to a third of the games, but you can watch the other two uh, thirds that you don't get to go to on Celtic TV. You sit down with a couple of cans, ready to cheer on the boys, and all of a sudden the screen goes blank. Nah, nah. Mm. And I can foresee that happening because... It it happens to me all the time and I steal it every week. It's murder, boys. Do you know what? We've all all been there in terms of uh, somebody we know. Getting it in the old IPTV and the quality and the reliability isn't there. The problem is the reliability isn't there when it's the official product. So I like the theory and the idea behind it. If that's the only way I can see it, I'm just I just hope they don't do it in the cheap because it could be an utter disaster. Could be riots. Um, we all laughed at the Rangers fans when they went mental in Manchester when they were locked out of the game. But imagine sixty thousand. Sixty thousand. And all the, the terms abroad, not being able to see the games when they're paid on top of their season ticket, as Louis says. So I don't know how they would do it. Maybe if it was something like you use your client code as a login or something like that, but it would need to be revamped, maybe even like a, a major provider um, offering it, because I don't think Celtic TV have got the capacity to run an operation as big as that. 
Aye, they'll get ITV Digital resurrected or some <laughs> Bob outfit to do that, no doubt. As you say, I I wasn't aware, Louis. I don't know if it's out yet. If if it's official that even though you buy a system ticket, that might not include a streaming service, you know, above what you you have. I would, I would have thought it would be. I, I think that would be very strange if you had to buy your season ticket and some sort of streaming. But as you say, Barry, I guess it's the logistics logistics of it and the time of it to actually get it organized that's in, in a tricky situation. Is it something to do with the fact that the league obviously own the rights to the games? Um, and I think, is it Celtic TV buy those rights to show the fans out with the UK and Ireland? So if they were trying to offer it to us in the UK as season ticket holders, it would cost the club a lot to buy it from the providers, your Sky, or well, Sky only now. And I think there's obviously a negotiation that needs to be had with Sky first about whether they are willing to put more games on TV if they're willing to sell the games or have SPFL sell the game to, for example, BBC or other providers and then maybe the club. So again, I'm just hoping they're having these talks now and they're actually starting to move ahead with something and they're not just hoping that fans will be in by September and, and they don't have to think about this because honestly, I don't think there will be any fans by September or even this year. Well, we should. Um, we've got we've got about fifteen minutes left. We should probably get on to talk about uh, talk about the Celtic and talk about the football if we can. There might be you no know, games being played just now, but there are changes afoot. Um, obviously, in the last week, we have seen Calvin Miller, um, Kuasi, Johnny Hayes, Jozo Simonovic. Um, They've all left, so they, they've departed the club. Uh, a range of, like, Kroasi obviously signed for Genk. Um, Johnny Hayes' contract was up, and Jozo, we didn't take the option on him. Um, I, don't, I don't know what anybody's thoughts are. If, if any of them are going to be a particular loss to us, I, I don't really think so myself. Um, and then, you know, there's the potential. I think Craig Gordon's contract was up as of the first, so you know it's not being confirmed that he's left. But then that's probably due in some way to the fact that you know Fraser Foster's loan will have ended. So I mean, loan-wise, we've got Fraser Foster, Elianusi, uh, Maurice Bauer, um, Arzani, Arzani as well. Yep, um, they technically have all left as well. So. Quite a few, quite a few out the door. Who's probably the biggest loss in terms of players that have, excluding Fraser Foster and Moy, because obviously they're their biggest first team players. But anybody else that we think is we maybe should have kept a hold of, or are we quite happy? I don't, I don't think I don't think there's any in it. Um, we're going to particularly miss, but in terms of bodies, I think. Particularly Jozo and Hayes because they've featured probably not in the starting lineup um, as much as they would have liked. But Jozo was always there or thereabouts. Johnny Hayes was the first choice sub, or he played his fair share at left wing back or left back um, last season. So I think just in terms of in terms of numbers, we might miss them unless they are replaced. Because what that's about ten names you mentioned there, Louis. If we could sign four or five players to go straight into the, the first 11 or first 18 or whatever, then all well and good. But no, I think in general, playing-wise, Jozo, maybe in the Rats' first season, was good, but he, he did four good games and then a, a catastrophic blunder. So none none particularly in terms of uh, ability-wise, I don't think we'll miss, no. Hayes is a big loss to the art of substitutions. Um, some talk about getting extra substitutions in the com- upcoming season. Five Johnny Hayes. If Lennon could get five Johnny Hayes in, he would do that. But Hayes, Hayes gave a lot. It was a grafter, but I think universally people thought he wasn't good enough. So there's no issue with Hayes going. Samunovic, I think, is an early indicator that the financial aspect of this is going to hit us as well as other clubs because in the Rats' first season, he certainly, oh, by the way, can I just give a shout out to the Rats family who haven't spoken to him <laughs> since uh, he moved to Leicester. Legends. There's obviously a, a lot of uh, honour in that family and I'd like to formally invite them over instead of him uh, for any 10 in a row celebrations. Um, 
Get him on the pod. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just went off a tangent there. Sidunovic, he was good in the Rats' first season and I think he was rewarded with a bigger with a contract, with more money, basically. He put Kenny Miller on the moon as well. Well, there's that and there's the goal he scored against... Um, uh, who did? Who was it against? I can't remember. But it, Big McNeil for in the sixty-seventh minute. Who, who was it? Marnock was it? Marnock. Marnock. Um, so there's a couple of nice memories for Hosel. But see, in terms of wages to ability to reliability, he's another guy that you're not getting any concerns with him going. And Kuasi, well, the dream's now dead, Louis. You get you predicted him for Player of the Year, and uh, that goes into the. the it, would you call it your scrapbook of classic calls? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. And Calvin Miller's away as well, the man who nobody knew what position he played in. Can I just say, on obviously, as Samani mentioned, and that, listen, I kind of knew this was going to happen anyway because you know, if you make a bold prediction on this podcast, you're going to get slaughtered for it at some point if it doesn't come true. Kuasi was the one I got away, right? The guy's the greatest. And he'll be solely missed, and he's going to have a great career. He's replacing Just, the great Hadji, so you uh, know that's very true, very true. And see, just very quickly, Christian, before you come in, just see the point, but you know Barry made about you know that's like ten names I've just said. You know that we maybe thought that this wasn't going to be a big turnaround in squad, but it kind of is. I was just going to mention Barry's comment because I love his optimism, but I don't share it. Barry, in terms of, I think, by the mere fact that Johnny Hayes and Joseph Munich are gone, two players that Lennon has talked positively about the whole season and, and look keen to, you know, bring in as much as possible. By the fact they haven't been renewed for a year, even, I think it says a lot that Celtic main priority this season is keep the players that they've had last season, and, and I include Forster and. and you know, seeing that, I think their two main targets for players coming in, if you want to say that, is, is first of all to keep Forster, and then Elianosi, and the other one is is to keep Edward. You have this really awkward situation, I think, at Celtic, where I think four of the players that would probably command the biggest transfer fee just now, or at least you know up on the top five anyway, Edward, Ayer, Cham. Christie all have two years left on the contract this summer. And Peter Lowell is not a man who he keeps an eye on those contracts. And and for every day after the next transfer window, if they haven't signed a contract, you know, their value is going to start depreciating. So I think there's, there's a huge summer in terms of that. And add that what we talked about earlier in the context of, you know, maybe less uh, revenue for match day, different kind of transfer window. We don't know how it's going to be. So I think Celtic's priority is just keep the squad together. And I would, whereas Lowell, I think, would never, ever let a player like Edward or Ayer, even Cham, go below two years on the contract. If they didn't sign this summer no- normally, he would just, you know, I'm going to punt you and I'm going to get you a, a good offer for you. Well, I think well, this isn't because of his 10 in a row. He might, if Edward or somebody else doesn't sign a new contract, I think he might keep them another year. Well, I mean, you mentioned the A-word, um, not asshole, but Ayer. Very similar. What's the latest? I mean, you're both Norwegian, so you must know. Yeah, Norwegian, obviously, where all the Norwegians in Glasgow talk together uh, as well. Yeah, no, so he's, he's changed his agent. Obviously, his, his agent was yes. quite loud in the media. Because <laughs> the last one was a dick. In March and April. Uh, good football, though, Louis. Uh, I can tell you more about that later. But Still a dick. So his contract with Ayer came, out, uh, came to an end now in May and Christopher basically choose not to not to renew with him. He's he's gone with a, a bigger agency called SEG. He's based out in the Netherlands. Now they are quite good at putting players in the top leagues outside of England. So I, I think it's obviously, a, a, I don't know what you can read into that, but I also know, I'm going to sound like his agent here now, but Christopher here is never going to do like a Dedrick Bayata. If, if Celtic wants him to do one more year or two more year, he'll stay, he'll play, you know, and he's dedicated himself to the absolute top of his ability. So it's, he, he's the kind of person and, and player who will do that. He, he won't throw a tantrum and so on. And he's obviously, I think he's obviously, well, if I, if I, if I venture a guess, I don't think he would sign an extension. 
I wouldn't rule it completely out, but I also don't think he would jump on the first club that would have him. It has to be the right move for him as well. So I think he's completely comfortable with playing another year or even two years in Celtic. But I think it's a whole other question whether Peter Lowe will let him do that without signing a contract. I was just thinking there, since obviously we're kind of starved for content right now in news, let's just um, let's maybe leave the the incomings until until next week if we can. Is there anybody that anybody else that anybody thinks will leave or should leave from the current squad? I mean, uh, you've got to think if you've got this many players going out, and as Christian says, you, let's face it, we're not going to replace each one of them. We're kind of destined to come out of this window weaker than we go into it, and that's not. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some there's some dead within amongst the the players that have left there, but it's tricky. You know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get some quality in to, to make a difference there. Anybody else that anybody can think of that that, that could possibly go? I think I think Ball and Golly is a sort of obvious one, isn't it? But... Because whatever's happened with him and Lennon seems to be sort of irreparable. Um, I know that most of us on here tend to quite like liked him, but I think he's finished. Um, but other than that, other than um, sort of Deadwood fringe players, I can't see it. Do you think, see if it was, if the only signings we made were Foster and Elianusi, would you be happy? No, no. We need another centre-half. That's true. Have Joseph's gone? Right. I mean, even with, even, I mean, Julianne and I haven't quite gelled to the extent you'd want them to. Now that, <clears throat> so I, Julianne's first season, so that might happen next season. That That's potentially there. But you definitely need that third option. I know we've got El Hamid, but you need another option there, especially if we're going to play 3-5-2. So I'd be keen keen for uh, at least one other centre-half to come in. See, the other problem we got with it with the season ending early as well is <clears throat> we've absolutely no idea if Sorrow or Klamala are any good. We've- well, that, that's what I was going to mention, Somani, was, um, you know, there's, there's certain players in the squad that are kind of forgotten about, like those two that you've just mentioned. I mean, they're what the two latest to come in, and yet we've not really seen them. So surely they should be stepping up. Like the Shved as well. Um, the the boy uh, Connell, Luca Connell, you know players like that who we bought and have yeah. either never been, a, you know, never given a chance or whatever. Is 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 maybe now the time to we need to lean on them because we can't bring in so many. Possibly, and the the problem with us as a club is, <laughs> see, if you told the fans that, they would probably start. There would probably be a lot of unrest. I mean, we brought in Luca Connell who can play in a few positions, apparently. Lee O'Connor, who's apparently one of the most highly rated ones that we brought in, the boy from Man United, played for Ireland. Um, obviously, Frimpong came and made his breakthrough. But they, those two were kind of predicted that they would maybe start to shine and move through. Even Karamoko, you, you, you know, he still seems a bit small to me. But we might have had glimpses of these guys at the end of this season that would have given us an idea if they're able to make the step up. The problem is we don't know. And if you ask the Celtic support to put their faith in these guys if they don't know, nah, we need something more. It's that, it's the point Barry makes about, I, I'm, I probably agree with Christian, I don't think we're going to push the boat out. I'm worried that we won't. But I think you need to. This is such a remarkable forthcoming season for the club. You need to do all you can to get there. I'm worried we might have to rely on these guys. That might be a shrewd move, and don't get me wrong, there's been a few shrewd moves by the board and by, by Lennon over the last period of time. But if you told me it was happening just now, I would be a bit nervous. It's such a unique point, in, as, as you say, Samarani, because on one hand, you've got 10 in a row with all the history and everything that means. On the other hand, you have this completely unique situation that you might not have any crowds and might be a big hit on the income and then you have this you know financially kamikaze club who will just throw any old shit at it to try and stop it and not have any care in the world so and for a man who's usually quite reserved in his spending you know celtics kind of net spend it's not much over zero you know because there's usually one big 
you know, you know, sell. And then, then you have the whole thing about whether it's going to be Champions League or not as well. So it, it's a really, it's a really difficult point, and and you need guys in charge who's got their eyes on the ball, really. And then not more than one ball, even. But I even, I just think for me, seeing Simone Richard Hayes leaving because Simone, if, if I, I agree, you need another centre half. But I can't see another centre half coming in unless Aya goes. Because if you need another centre half, just keep Joseph for a year, you know, as a fourth choice. And then you, if you need to play Al Hamid on the right back, you, you can do that. So, ironically, by letting Joseph go, kind of tells me there won't be another one in unless Ayer goes and you bring in kind of someone like Benkovic. But I've, who knows? We've also also got, you know, some youth players of our own that might have to step up. The likes of Stephen Welsh at centre half, who's obviously had played before. Um, you've got Ewan uh, Henderson as well. No, Ewan Henderson. Yeah, Is that's that right. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A player who's you know he looked looked good when he got a chance, but you just wonder if if this is maybe his time to. You know, he might get a bit more game time, but again, like Samani says, I think if you're asking the fans to put their faith in these these guys, it, it just feels like too much of a gamble. I mean, it's a gamble no matter who you bring in, which is why you know the likes of getting Fraser Foster back or, or El Yunusi back. Well, we already know about them, so it's it's more of a calculated risk because you know what they can give you. I do think I do think it'll be mostly loans though. If we get anybody, I think it'll be loan deals, um, and I don't I don't have a massive problem with that. You know, I think I think there'll be a lot of clubs that will just be focusing on the loan market, um, and if we got you know we got Fraser Foster back and El Yunusi back, great. But um, we definitely will need to bring more in as well. And and let, let's hope that the likes of Sorrow and, and Clamala do get their chance because look, we went and bought these guys. We, we must have bought them for a reason. Who was the yeah. guy just just before you speak, Barry, this is just annoying me. Who was the, the midfielder that played away in Cluj in the dead rubber game? Scott Robinson. Sky. And, and I, again, I thought he was good and I think, as you say, Samarni, that might be the case in case of bringing somebody in, Stephen Welsh comes in instead of bringing a replacement for Charm, it's Ewan Henderson and Scott Robinson and, and, and Soro. So uh, I, I, I I can't see them pushing the boat out in any way at this point. In. I think, see, just what you were saying, Samani, the fans, I don't think would accept that. But next year, if we've won the 10, that's the time for these guys to come in and make, make a shine. So if it, is, if it does have to be high profile loans, um, for next season because that's the way of the market then I agree with you I, I would have no problem with that um, but the question I said about just signing Foster and El Yunusi again I'd be delighted because they do make the team stronger but we've had them this year already um, I think Samani said that um, so yeah I would, I'd like to see three, four, five signings in but whether we'll get that or not uh, I don't know. I know that Kieran, uh, Kieran Devlin had said um, on the agenda yesterday that Celtic have sort of told agents that they're only going to sign players that they know, uh, sort of from the British game, players that they've already watched or players that we could easily readily watch. So that doesn't sort of ogre well, but we just need to wait and see, I guess. Uh, Kieran, Kieran Devlin also said, and Matthew uh, Abbey was coming to be the new Mr. Dembele and it's not happened but I do, I do, I do love Kieran don't get me wrong now Louis if, if, if the listeners wanted a, a podcast looking specifically on Stephen Walsh and Matthew Abbey they can, they can sign up to Patreon because me and Alan Edgar has had uh, such analysis such a Patreon whore man you fucking you just and also ne- next week the transfer committee uh, rejoins so we'll be looking at every single detail what, around what this what commission as well. are you getting man what, what percentage are you on same percentage as you. My union representative, uh, Christopher Samani, has made sure I get the same as everybody else. Absolutely. Equity for all. Shout out to all parents out there. Kids who <laughs> yes. are struggling to sleep. Why not tune in to a podcast with Alan Edgar and Christian Wolf? <laughs> Sold very well. Um, right, well, this is um, this has been great. It's been good to be back. There's a lot of um, you know, there's a, a lot of very serious and, and sad things happening around the world just now, and it's kind of good to come on here and um, 
have a laugh about the Celtic and, and look forward to the, the football coming back again. Um, I don't know what the, the current plan is. Hopefully we'll be back with a with another Cynic Weekly this time next week and we can kind of get back into the swing of things again properly. We usually don't, of course, over the summer, um, but there, there might be some more kind of talking points coming out in the next week. And we can also look at... Um, Possibly who we might bring in. We've been linked with quite a few different players in the past week, so we'll maybe take a note of them and we could maybe discuss them as well next week. But it's been great to be back. Chris Lamani, you were fabulous. So were you. Thanks for having me. And I, I think we should be back next week. Um, I think the Cynic Weekly should remain weekly and go through the summer, for it is the pod of the working class. Here we go. Oh, Thank you, Louis. Of our people. Um, Barry Gallagher, pleasure as always. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed that. Christian? It, it pains me to see, Louis, but uh, having seen you hosting up front uh, and, and close, I'm, I'm very impressed. Very, very good hosting. So Thanks. it's been a pleasure. I, I, tried, I tried my best to get you to say it was a big fucking asterisk of a season and all that, but you weren't there biting. And I, you, you, you try, V-Man. You try. I know. I'll try. But um, that's been us. This has been the Cynic Weekly, and we will speak to you down the road. Mm-hmm.